This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Reds are nine points clear of Man City and eight points clear at the top of the Premier League table after a hugely important 3-1 victory at Anfield over Pep Guardiola's side yesterday. To discuss the game with myself, Joe Rimmer, the host for today, is three fine gentlemen. On my left is our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, Paul Gost. How are you, Paul? Oh, do you know what? I'm absolutely delighted. We've got an international break and Liverpool are nine clear of City. Uh, what a time to be alive. Yeah, and you've got your Jack Whitehall tickets as well. <laughs> yeah, the, the less said about them, the better. Hope Tasha doesn't listen to this podcast because <laughs> she thought you bought them a year ago, didn't she? Shh, keep that quiet. All right. I thought, I thought it did. Okay, we won't say any more on that. <laughs> to my right is Theo Squires. How are you, Theo? Not too bad, Joe. You? I'm not too bad. I thought you'd be happier than that. It's still not sunk in yet. It's no. quite surreal. It's like no. being there. I was saying it to Gorsty earlier. It doesn't feel like Liverpool have gone nine clear. They've gone eight clear. I said of City. Ah, you got there in the end. On the end here is Ian Doyle. How are you, Ian? Mm. All right, yep. Always happy you are, aren't you? I'm happy that I'm not in work today, after today until a week on Thursday. So that's good. How come, Ian? I am going away somewhere. Somewhere special. <laughs> Do you want to tell us more? Yes, it's the, the venue of the Club World Cup, Qatar. I'm doing a... Gonna have a a yeah. I'm going to go and have a look, see what's what, see whether it's worthy of uh, us going over there and reporting on it, and see whether Liverpool should be going over there. So it should be interesting to see what the fans make of it all. I'm sure you'll do a little podcast on it and tell us all about it, right? I might well do that. I might Good. even write some stories for the Liverpool Echo website, www.liverpoolecho.co.uk slash liverpoolfc. Excellent, there you go, there you are. <laughs> That's us done for the day. <laughs> anyway, let's talk Liverpool 3, Manchester City 1. Um, Gorsty... Hugely important result. Um, wins don't come much bigger, do they? Really, they don't. And I was, me and Theo did the debrief yesterday in Anfield, and, and we were talking about it. And I actually thought after it, it's probably I mean Jurgen Klopp had, had asked for it, and he, and he always does. And sometimes it's a little bit unrealistic to expect certain atmospheres on certain days. But he wanted the fans to show up, and he, he said to them on Friday, "Get in there as early as you can, and create a hell of a noise." And everyone's got to be at the best, and that includes the players. And the fans, and he, he said, didn't he as well, leaving the hot dog man has got to be at his best. And to be fair, the Liverpool fans listened to him because I thought they were excellent and it's probably the best atmosphere at a Premier League game that I can remember, if I'm honest. Um, How did the hot, hot dog man get on? Oh, yeah, the other blinder. Yeah. yeah. 10 out of 10 yeah. for me, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, maybe... I mean, it was, it was up there with possibly... Maybe even Barcelona would have made like, that, that kind of atmosphere early on. They were cheering for everything that people were doing and they were booing for everything the City were doing. And um, it just, just had a, a massive impact straight away. You could tell the players kind of fed off it and took the lead early on, didn't they? Um, no messing up. I'm sure we'll get into the, the decisions yeah. and handballs and whatnot. But Liverpool just, you know, just fed off that energy from the crowd and it was their all game and, and fair play to the fans because they, they had a massive part in, in what was a huge, huge victory. Yeah, OK, well, we will discuss VAR and the decisions. But, well, first of all, I think we should discuss some of the players' performances. Some of the players are really rose to the occasion. Um, Theo, we'll start in the midfield. Um, Fabinho obviously scored a cracking goal. Uh, I love to see football hit that cleanly. Straight into the into the camera, wasn't it? Knocked that flying. Um, but alongside him, Jordan Henderson set up the third goal, was very, very good. Gini Wijnaldum also very, very good in the ball. Um, birthday boy as well, Jeannie Wijnaldum today, 29 today. Happy birthday, Jeannie Wijnaldum. Happy birthday, Jeannie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Happy birthday. You say? He's not listening. <laughs> Might be. He's, he's, not, he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> International break, he's got to listen to something on the way to meet up with the Netherlands squad. 
Sure. Well, happy birthday then, Jorginho, to give you your full name. Good. Theo, that is the midfield that Klopp often turns to in big games. Um, and sometimes you see people saying, oh, I think you should get Cater in, Oxlade-Chamberlain. But there's a reason why he turns to that midfield and it, and it showed up, didn't it? And, and did a hell of a job against City. And the only criticism that midfield has had is they don't get goals in the last few weeks yeah. they have. So what can you do to criticise them now? They are the big performing players and they all offer so much. They complement each other so well. And like you think Fabinho, he was supposed to be just this holding midfielder. But then he goes and steps up, hits that ball. I said to Gorsty when we are doing the debrief, Stephen Gerrard textbook, you don't expect that to hit, um, him to hit that that well. The fans were urging him to shoot. And you're looking there, you're still not quite sure whether he actually should because there was that po- um, pause there. City defenders didn't close him down. So, like, oh, this is just going over the goal. Finds the top corner. Brilliant strike. You know what you get with Henderson and Vinaldum. They're just there. They're doing the top business time and time again. And that's why Jurgen Klopp always turns them for the big games. And he has done for, what, three, four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's given them the more advanced roles. And they just thrive in these situations. Like, you can look at the smaller games and you say, like, when you're playing a gank, oh, you, Oxide Chamberlain's done well. He scored a couple of goals. He's really impressed. But could he do it in that high intensity when he's still feeling his way back? You go to your tried and trusted and Henderson, when he's been off for a week with flu, can still put in an hour like that. It's brilliant. Yeah, it was a, a captain's performance, wasn't it, Dolly? Mm, it was, yeah. It's impossible to add any more to what Theo's just said on Henderson, to be honest. I mean, it shouldn't be overlooked, the fact that he was unwell against Genk and he was, still in, he was in bed, wasn't he, when that mm. game was on? So for him to get through an hour uh, was very good and he showed his creative side uh, with the cross for, for Sadio Mane's goal. Uh, I just think Liverpool overall were just better than City. I would like to point out, I don't think it was as good as atmosphere as, as Ghost is making out. It was a good atmosphere, like, but it certainly wasn't up there with for, the best. For the Premier League game, it, it, I can't remember a better one in the Premier League. Premier League is quite often quite sleepy, aren't they? They can be a little bit. I think the 4-3 against City the other year. 3-2 against City in Rodgers, like... T- Title. Well, the point. Mm-hmm. The, 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 I think the point goes yeah, to. Yeah, I, think, I think I agree with Gorsty when he said that the fans made a difference because you only mm. had to look at some of City's players. They were <clears throat> a little bit rattled. Yeah. One player in particular was De Bruyne. I don't think I've ever seen him have such a bad game. Mm. There was one point in the second half with about twenty minutes to go where he played a. You know, I don't think I've ever seen him put so many poor crosses in when you consider how good his final passes. But there was one bit where I think City lost the ball and he was on the left wing, and rather than running back, he just stopped. He yeah. just stopped and turned around. And he just he just couldn't be bothered anymore with it. Oh, that's how it seemed, to be honest. I mean, Raheem <clears> Sterling came up coming for a lot of stick, but he was probably City's best player. And the battle that he had with Trent was one of the you know, one of the highlights of the game, to be honest. I mean, I think Trent just about edged it in the fact that Liverpool won, and he ended up playing a part in in one of the goals. And you know, I don't think City's goal wasn't any, anything down to anything that came from that wing, really. Well, not from Sterling, anyway. Um, but Liverpool's performance overall, you look at you know the likes of Dejan Lovren, who a lot of fans, as always, the minute he plays a game, they go into meltdown when the team sheet comes in. You know, and there's Henderson as well, the two that people like to have a go at, and oh, what a surprise when it comes to a big game. The pair of them step it up again. You know, Lovren likes playing against Manchester City's best ever performance. So Liverpool was in the Champions League quarterfinal second leg at uh, the Etihad about 18 months ago. And you know, I thought Alison Becker was probably his best game since he's come back from from injury, but not necessarily because he made any particularly outstanding saves. But you know, second half, City had quite a lot of corners, shall we say, and by the end they'd just given up, put them into the box because they knew the combination of either Lovren or Van Dijk heading it away or the keeper coming and getting them. It was pointless them putting them in there because they were just wasting the time. So they were they were playing them all short, and then it basically just became as it has was for the most of the second half of. 
City trying to find a way through about nine or ten Liverpool players just from a corner. So it's almost like they're just wasting them. I mean, that's not Liverpool's problem, but that's what Liverpool did to City. Klopp said afterwards, it's pointless trying to play City at their own game because they're so good at it and they're the best in the world. We just had to play our way, or I think he didn't mean necessarily the normal Liverpool way, but a way that would win them the game. That's what they did. Mm. Well, Dory mentioned him there. I, th- I thought Trent, uh, I thought the moment of the match was his ball out yeah. to uh, Andy Robertson for the second goal. He seems to grow, grow in stature with every game. I think he looks stronger and more com- combative with other players. How, 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 what did you think of his performance yesterday? And, and yeah, in that battle with Raheem Sterling. Yeah, I thought he had a very very good game and not a lot of players keep Sterling as quiet as, as he did and Sterling was always going to have his moments because he's a top quality player and he really has flourished, hasn't he, under Guardiola at City the last couple of years. Um, he seems to score virtually every game now and I think that might be the first one he hasn't scored in, in, in well, I don't know how long because he seems to be on the score sheet every weekend. As the game wore on, his influence started to grow a little bit more. But, uh, I he didn't thought, score last week, by the way. Last week? Um, against Villa was that the no, week before Southampton so he didn't score that one. scored the week before scored against the Atalanta in the midweek stop picking on him <laughs> yeah, I thought, yeah, I, thought um, I thought the longer it went on the more influence he started to, to, to show on the game but generally I thought Alexander-Arnold did well I mean as, as good as, as any right back this season um, I know Klopp sent on Oxlade-Chamberlain so they're offering him a little bit more protection, as I say, as the game went on. Sterling was, was kind of getting better. And then at the end, it was Joe Gomez, wasn't it? And Alexander-Arnold was pushed further forward. But generally, thought he, he did well against him and played his own game that he normally does. Um, that one with the right foot. And with his left foot to, to free Robertson right across the other side, which was a, a fantastic example of Liverpool's counter-attack and brilliance. Some of his passes out of this world, isn't mm. it? There was another one over the top. Quite just... I mean, I, I don't think I can remember a fullback with such good distribution in terms of short and long passing as well as crossing. Yeah, I mean that, that's why a lot of people seem to be desperate to, to get him into central midfield. And mm. oh, Gary Lineker said on Twitter didn't he last week that it's like watching Kevin De Bruyne. Um, when when is he going to become a midfielder? And Carragher said it was Kevin De Bruyne at right back against Tottenham. For me, I I, I just love to see him stay at right back and, and become the world's best right back because he's certainly one of Europe's best at the moment now. Uh, 21 years of age 102 Liverpool appearances or whatever it is now um, he's only going to get better he's going to play hundreds and hundreds of more games for this yeah. club his boyhood club that he loves and um, absolute credit to the academy staff who've got him to this level and the, the manager Jürgen Klopp who's trusted in him from day one he out De Bruyne De Bruyne didn't he yeah yeah, he did but, but to stick on with you Donny I, I was listening to a bit of the build up on Five Live and um they were talking about Trent and saying about this battle between Sterling and Trent and Chris Sutton was saying that they, they would target Trent and I, I hear this a lot now that Trent's weakness is defensively. Do you think that that is over-exaggerated that Trent is weak defensively? Yes, but if there's any weakness in his game it's his defensive well, ability. That doesn't necessarily that doesn't mean, mean that he's weak it, though, defensively. It? But mm-hmm. if you're you know, teams are always going to look at stuff like that because you know, I think Jürgen Klopp said it the other week that it's, it's about Teams just don't want to go down the middle against Liverpool because they, they're going out wide because they know that's where the, the gaps might appear because the, Liverpool play such an expansive game where they try and make the pitch as wide as possible. So that's you know that's where a lot of teams score goals. Liverpool scored two of their three goals from out wide. Mm-hmm. That's what crosses result in an awful lot of goals. So 
There is that. I mean, it's because Trent is so good that a lot of the analysis for the likes of Match of the Day and goals mm-hmm. on Sunday, Match of the Day in particular, they look at him and they'll go, right, look at this, he did this, he did that. I mean, what was the game, the recent game? I've forgotten what, who did he play recently? Tottenham at home, was it? Yeah. It was Tottenham, wasn't it, where they were, were discussing that they were, I think it was Match of the Day 2, they were discussing some moments where, you know, Danny Rose got got inside him and they were mm-hmm. saying, this is the stuff that he needs to learn. And I think it was on Sky, Graham Sooner said that, well, that's the easy bit. The easy bit is learning how to defend and get the position right. The hard mm. bit is all the other stuff that he's doing, which is putting those passes, you know, pinging them and controlling the ball. There was one bit where he, he plucked the ball out of the sky, didn't he? And then yeah. played a pass mm. down the wing. So, you know, that's the stuff that it's not hard to learn. Sorry, it's not impossible to learn, but it's an awful lot harder to learn than it is to, you know, know what position and which side to stand on when you're facing a, a, an attacking player. That comes with experience. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just think he's a great player, isn't he? And I probably agree with Gorsty, actually, that he should just be right back for the foreseeable. And I, he, Well, Trent did reply, didn't he? He said one position at yeah, a time, yeah. didn't he, when he was yeah. talking to, to Lineker. I think he quite enjoys it because being a fullback at Liverpool is not the same as being a fullback at almost any other team. The only one that you could probably compare it to, and they don't even do it now, is at Barcelona, when you had Danny Alves down one wing and I think Jordi Alba was there at that time, down, it's yeah. already down the other wing. Well, because they know Barcelona are going to get so much of the ball, they were just playing as wingers. And I think Liverpool do that because they've got a front three that's comparable to anything that Barcelona have been able to put out in the last 10 years. I think it's becoming quite a lazy narrative to pick on Trent yeah. for this defensive yeah. play. Just because he's a young player, so you think, oh, they're going to make defensive mistakes. But him and Andy Robertson, they play the same way. They get forward down the line and there are going to be gaps in behind them. And when you run up and down the line and when you look at Trent as well, Sadio Mane is a lot more willing to get back and defend than Mohamed yeah. Salah is. Yeah. So he's going to be more isolated and have to deal with it a bit more. Well, they leave Salah forward, don't yeah, they? Exactly. That's why Henderson played yeah. as well, yeah. partly because it helped. He was yeah. out wide and helped keep Sterling quite a little bit more. Yeah. But with Trent, I think the biggest credit you can give them is um, in recent years, we've seen old oh, Man City come to town. Those are the <coughs> games that Klopp would rest him. He put Joe yeah, Gomez at right back. Yeah. He was the kid in the team. This season, he's become a man. He's in that team. He's not going to get dropped for any games, and he is so important. Like He's got what as many chances created as De Bruyne from right back. Yeah, you can say he'll create more if he's playing in that playmaker role, but you don't need him to because that's where Liverpool create their chances. Yeah, and I think you look at it yesterday and the City kept giving Sterling the ball, and he ran at, he ran at Trent a lot, but I can't think of that many times when Sterling went past him or got in, in behind him. I think every single time Trent was tight to him, Forcing him out wide, forced winning, you know, right, Sterling was winning corners and, and stuff like that. But I mean, it, it's about just doing enough to stop him getting through or creating clear cut opportunities. And I think you, you're absolutely right. I think the idea that he's weak defensively is just a bit lazy. And I also think it's lazy, Gorsi, what you were saying about him moving into midfield. Because do you think we, we overlook fullbacks a little bit? I mean, I, I think you look at Brazil or Barcelona, as Doyle's just mentioned, and and they're celebrated, but here we want to move them into. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's always been a general um, school of thought in English football: the fullbacks are, are functional and don't really do a whole lot other than knock it down the line to the yeah. winger and, and keep it short and simple. But uh, the way Liverpool play with their fullbacks, I mean, it, it was a bit of a secret weapon for a while, but everyone's fully aware of it now, aren't they? Uh, Alexander Arnold with twelve assists and Robertson with eleven last season in the Premier League. Um, Robertson's ahead again, isn't he? As he tweeted yeah, before. yeah. They've got the back on again, haven't he? Um, Alexander Arnold actually was the most ever for a defender in Premier League history, which is incredible when you think he was also part of the best defence in the league that season with 21 clean sheets, I think, and, and just 22 goals conceded. So 
I think it is a little bit lazy just to just to say, oh well, he's not that good defensively because of how good he is attacking wise. And again, um, I, I see no real reason why he should move into midfield and be forced to completely learn a, a new a new position at elite level. Okay, he played there for the under twenty threes. We're playing it in the Premier League every week. Is a completely different game, isn't it? Um, don't really see the need to do that when he's so good at a position that is so important for Liverpool. I want to be picky. Technically finished the game in the field and barely got a kick. Granted, yeah, that's yeah. Liverpool seeing it out. He played, played there once, didn't he, against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge about 18 months ago and um, probably one of his worst Liverpool performances, if I'm honest. Um, obviously, he'd have be given time to develop it and, and learn it, but I don't really see, see why he should. Well, before we, we move on and talk about the VAR incidents in the, in the whole game, um, let's just quickly talk about the goalkeepers. Doyle, you mentioned them, but Theo, I know you've written a piece about mm-hmm. goalkeeping. Um, Liverpool's very good yesterday, Man City's not so good. Yeah, it was really Alisson. He's become almost a forgotten man, hasn't he? Just because Adrian was so good without him. And when he's still waiting for that clean sheet, you yet to see the real Alisson back. And like all the combined 11s we've seen from the pundits, it was, oh, Edison's probably in form. He's the better goalkeeper now. But Brazil, they don't see him that way. Alisson will be number one there. And all the headlines were still dominated by, oh, is Edison going to play? Is he not? And then you look and see, well, what did Alisson do wrong yesterday? He can't do anything about the goal. It was perfectly into that corner. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Doyle's already mentioned, every single cross he came out and gathered with ease. So they've changed how they're doing the corners. The cop were chanting his name at one point. You can see this is just a very special goalkeeper. He's going to win the, was it the Ashen Award? You'd expect him to win that next month. That doesn't just come along for no reason. He is very talented. And whilst Liverpool aren't getting the clean sheets, you can see how much of a difference he does make to that team because he's so cool, so collected. When you see uh, Bravo fretting when Mane's closing him down and he boots one out of play, they've got De Bruyne doing it to Alisson and he's just doing drag backs, passing out, keeping his head at all times. Yeah, nice tights as well. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. nice tights. (laughs) Would you wear any of them, Joe, when you're playing football? I wouldn't. But left back? But if I was as good as Alisson, I'd wear whatever the hell I wanted. (laughs) I'm not as good as Alisson, so... Yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, let's talk about VAR um, because. Do we have to? Because we, we probably do have to, don't we? We should just uh, pencil it in every week forever and ever, now, shouldn't we, VAR? It's always going to be a, a topic of debate. The has, thing is, should it, it. Right, Kate. Now, if there is no VAR, can I just point out that if there's no technology, Liverpool win the league last season because that Mane goal at the Etihad probably gets allowed because it looks as though it's in. So that's the first thing. Second thing, um, this VAR thing from... The referee has seen it and he's gone, that's not handball. For whatever reason, he's decided... We're talking about the Trent thing in the, the, when Liverpool scored the opening goal for anybody who hasn't seen it. Basically, City are on the attack. The ball hits Silver on the hand. Bernardo Silver on the yeah. hand. Then it hits Trent on the hand. Liverpool break down the other end. Man City clear it, don't they? There's a cross comes in and they clear it and it comes yeah. out to Fabinho. So there's quite a lot happens in between the two incidences. But they went back to VAR, had a look at it, and they said, that, you know, Trent, what was the, they said that Trent, there was nothing for them to consider. Yeah. It wasn't deliberate. It wasn't deliberate, mm. but it doesn't have to be deliberate for it to be a penalty, to but be honest. This, the, this is the whole confusing thing about the this. The confusing thing so is does, that... Does handball, from, I thought, from a, hand, a handball from a defender has to be deliberate? No. Oh, sorry. Sorry, it doesn't have to be deliberate, but it has to be. It doesn't necessarily have to be deliberate, but I think where that gets confused is any touch of the hand from an attacking player that results in a goal-scoring opportunity, which is a penalty or a goal, that Absolutely. automatically gets 
like Man at Old Trafford. Yes, like Man at Old Trafford, like Bale at Real, for Real Madrid at PSG. And yeah. I think, was it Tammy Abraham? City against Tottenham. City against Tottenham Laporte. So that's... Everybody can accept that. They might not, well, they might not like it, but they know what the rule is. Yeah. That's clear. With defensive actions, it depends on the, where the ball is, how close the ball is to the player, such as Trent's one in the second half. That was never going to be a penalty because yeah. it was right in front of him. But then this was a little bit different because it was, what, what did it, 8.7 yards or something they said on, on, on the television between the ball hitting Silver and the ball hitting mm-hmm. Trent. So there was a bit of a gap. You could argue that his arm's in an, in an unnatural position. And if nothing else happens before that, I think it's a penalty penalty to Man City but the reason clearly it wasn't given is because literally about one second before it hits Bernardo Silva on the hand as he's running through I think Lovren goes to challenge him mm-hmm. and that's how it ends up at Trent's hand so but, so for, for if they'd have explained it like that fine but then you get then the argument then is okay so how do you restart the game do you just let the play carry on or what well, the, the, the complication is that Liverpool scored from it if Liverpool hadn't scored from it Nobody would have said like, "Oh, that's a penalty to to uh, Manchester City," because they'd have just said, "Well, it's clearly handballed by Silver, so it wouldn't be allowed anyway." The problem is, well, how does the game then restart? Do they just carry on? Did the referee play an advantage? Then they go back to the referee, and if the referee thought both handballs were not deliberate handballs, or what he thought should have been penalised, then it is play on. So, well, yeah, I mean, I, I thought like you that. Bernardo Silva's handball would make the whole situation moot because but the statement yeah, the statements made the statements yeah. that they put out straight away confused things further because I think once you saw that it was handballed by Bernardo Silva you were like well that clearly can't be given as a penalty but then the statement didn't even mention it no but I've, I've seen two different referees come out with <clears throat> different opinions Bobby Madley said it wasn't a penalty and Keith Hackett said it was I can throw another two names in there as well Peter Walton and Dermot Gallagher they've been saying complete opposite things as well what chance has this game got when you've got four referees but, but, but that's, but that's, but that's always been the case and, that's always been the case and, and that's the whole point is that you could watch that back a hundred times on a video and you ask a hundred people and you get 50 yeah, each so, different responses yeah, saying, so yes, it, it, it should just be the, the referee on, on the day I mean Either they're both handball or the, neither of them are handball. And I, I suppose that's what Michael Oliver ruled in the end, didn't he? Neither of them are handball. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Correct. Do you, do you think, Theo, that this is taken away all the talk afterwards and perhaps Pep, this suits, that this suits his agenda, but all the talk afterwards is a bit about the VR, the handball incident, how despite Liverpool winning the game 3-1, it could have been completely different. Blah, blah, blah. Do you think it takes away from, from Liverpool, first of all, playing very well, and second of all, recording a very, very important win when we're just talking about one moment's decision? It's not just Liverpool, though, is it? It's every single game, every single week now. It's, true, yeah. it's like all these incidents. But you think last week, Liverpool were robbed, if we want to say it, by yeah. VR. There's been one this week. Was it Burnley, big toe? Was it Sheffield United? Yeah, Sheffield, like United. United. Sheffield United. Yeah. It's like, look at that. It's like if the technology wasn't there, these goals stand. It's affecting all the teams at the moment. And it's just when you've got fans of different sides, oh, that's gone against us, so I'm going to make a big noise yeah. about that. Like if um, the goal had been, if it had been the other way around, so it hit a Liverpool player's hand first, and then it had hit a City's hand, City go and counter and score, does it get given? Liverpool fans would be kicking off there. So it's just one of those where they've got to have that clarification there because whatever they're doing with VR, it's not really working at the moment. And there's always that confusion of why doesn't the ref go and check the big screen? But if you're going to have a ref checking the big screen there, it's hit both hands. And how he views that situation is going to be different from how another referee views mm-hmm. that situation, as we've just said. So there just needs to be some way they can sit down 
and make it clearer. But that's always been the problem with officiating, that technology was supposed to resolve. And if anything, it's made it even more confusing than ever. Definitely. Well, Gossi, Man City completely seemed to lose their heads in that incident. And then throughout the game were very touchy. Pep as well um, was just... <laughs> completely out of control <laughs> yesterday I mean telling the gods yeah. that yeah. there have been two handballs is, is the pressure getting <laughs> to Man City did it get to Man City yesterday possibly um, they, they felt aggrieved in the inside the first five minutes and they were a goal down and never really responded to it I think they just had that sense of injustice throughout and maybe they'd they'd thought they had an excuse ready made early on um, I mean I, I respect Pep Guardiola so much for what he's done for football Barcelona and Bayern Munich and, and at City last season become the first manager to win a domestic treble in England but that when he was fuming at Mike Riley at the end I, I mean I've, I've watched it over loads of times on, on Twitter and it's just, it's just hilarious it's, it's when he's pointing at his face twice twice and then he finally gives up and just looks to the heavens and just lets out a, a, a twice of forlorn angry twice it was just and when Pep gets angry his, his clothing changes, doesn't it? So he has like his hat on, then the hat comes off. It sound like he was Superman. He goes like right, dishevelled, just completely loses his, everything about him. He just seems but, to lose his cool, doesn't he? Yeah, but when you're watching Pep Guardiola on the sidelines, even when they're winning 3 0, he still looks dead anxious and nervy mm. and tetchy. So when his team's not winning, he just goes into a complete overdrive and it didn't stop you being very polite to him though did it afterwards I held the door up for him and he, he was did very he angry wasn't no, he yeah. he didn't thank me no, he didn't I mean, even thank you no, he, was, he, was, he wasn't happy one bit karma then serves him right yeah, yeah. Oh. he didn't thank you no that's very rude that's very rude to be that, fair that, that, I don't even think he looked up he was just walking with his head down he, he was fuming so, so did he think that door opened itself he must have done yeah, exactly. he's, he's probably the kind of person who you know when you let them through and you're driving and he doesn't wave oh, and then I, you have to give them a big sarcastic yeah thank you very much in their yeah. faces I think that's what he did yeah, yeah exactly two two to be fair I was driving down Penny Lane once pulled in to allow one Liverpool player to pass and he didn't thank me wasn't Emil was it it was Neville. Yeah, Who was it? Come me. on, name names. <laughs> Mohamed Salah. Really? really? Thank me. Yeah. Oh no! I've since, no get him out no, of the well, team I've now. Since, I've since let Mohamed off, but if you are listening, <laughs> along just, with you sat next to Van Alden, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If someone pulls in, just just thank them. Well, Pep Guardiola was like Yeah, I mean, he. I've I've never seen. I mean, City not lose many games, but when they do. Pep Guardiola's mask slips a little bit, doesn't it? And there's always yeah. that li- that little bit of Mourinho about him where he's he's quite quite you know sardonic. Is it? He's so passive aggressive. It's and sarcastic. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And he can get around that by just saying no, it wasn't because you can't prove sarcasm. So <laughs> he he looks like he's done it again, doesn't it? With with the FA not gonna look into his behaviour on the sidelines and as a sarcastic shake of the hand after the game. But it's, it, it's quite funny when, when City lose because he, he just loses the seems to lose the plot so much just because it, it's basically fueled from a desire to win, isn't yeah, it? And yeah. he's so used to winning that he doesn't really know how to react when it goes against them. But that was that was hilarious on the sidelines yesterday. I would like to make a point about Manchester City and their massive injury crisis. Now, I'm right in saying that the only players who are missing were Edison. Mm-hmm. Uh, of David, he was on the bench. He was on the bench. So, on the bench. so you had Ed, and he doesn't play all the time anyway. So well, you had Edison, uh, Laporte, mm. and Lero Sane, who they were going to sell anyway. 
So they only had two players missing, admittedly a goalkeeper and a centre-back, but it wasn't quite the massive injury crisis that people thought. Sinchenko, I'm being told here. Sinchenko as well. Oh, yeah. But does he play all the time? Top guy. To be fair, well, Mendy's, Mendy's there as well, and he made yeah. a point Sinchenko of not playing him. Sinchenko plays more than Mendy. And they brought yeah. him against Atalanta, and obviously yeah. he didn't play. And the, but they brought Angelino in the summer. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's not as if they've got a shortage of left-backs. The point there being... They've got an awful lot of players, haven't they? This mm. is supposed to be the reason why they have this big squad and they've come up against the first big game and they've lost. When you look at City this season, he drew with Tottenham, OK? Again, that's VAR again, but as we know, that's why that was disallowed. City have played a couple of our games this season and they've come unstuck, a little bit like Chelsea have, a little bit like Leicester have, but mm. that's why Liverpool are eight points clear at the top because they've negotiated having played, I'm right in saying, the top five from last year and Leicester. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, four of them were at home, but still got to win them. I think that's what they've done. 13 points from them games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. They're feeling the pressure before, and because even watching Pep's uh, pre match press conferences, he was so prickly. He's like looking at him post match, he was shell shocked. But he's got this pattern where he's, whatever team he's at, he's great for the first couple of three years. Um, then he, he wins the titles, gets them dominated, and then you get to that fourth season, and it just slowly begins to fall apart. He falls out with players, and they can see he's feeling the pressure, he's running out of answers. Maybe that's what's happening here. Like when you go into Liverpool and you're already, what, six points behind? He was struggling there. He knew, knew he was up against it because Liverpool just don't look like they're going to lose at the moment. And then when you say um, the stuff with Edison, oh, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Because he, he made a point of saying at post match, oh, Jurgen said 100% certain he was going to play. No, he's not. He was taking that almost as a victory. He's, he's running out of answers, and that's another reason why they're all just getting very frustrated because it's not just going to be on a match day, is it? That feeling's going to be there in training when you know your manager's rattled. And maybe that's why Raheem Serling was so up for it, falling out with everyone left, right and centre. Every one of his England teammates. Yeah, I don't know, he's going to come into England juicy this week, isn't he? Mm. Having started on Trent, uh, I think he had the word of Ox, and yeah, Gomez as well. Henderson yeah. as well. Henderson as well, so... He's going to go into. He's not going to be very popular, is he, on England? Do you see Raheem Sterling? Probably isn't really, anyway. He's only little as well, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> he's square up to Joe can I, can I just say I really like Raheem Sterling, and I thought he was Manchester City's best player. Oh, by don't don't I think he's. Yeah. Way, I think he's, yeah. I think and he's the reason he's booed isn't not just because you know he's greedy for how dare he want to go and leave Liverpool when they weren't very good to Man City. You've ended up becoming really good, but also because he's their best player, and fans want to do anything they can to put somebody off, and that's yeah. why. He gets all the G's every time he comes. Oh no, I agree. I think he's, I think he's I a think, wonderful I think player. Our, what, what was the stat? He's not had a shot on target at Anfield since he left. Oh, he's yeah. unlucky though, wasn't he? Like that that one where he's cut inside, beat two, mm. three players, and then yeah. Lovren's somehow on his can backside. Defend them. Defend it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the roof of that. Yeah. So no, he should have hit it in a different area and not let the defender block it. Do, do you think, Donny, <laughs> as rivalry grows with a team, and as we've seen with City over the years, and, and Klopp and Pep? It becomes more bitter, doesn't it? it? Becomes this this has grown into a proper rivalry now, isn't it? It has been a proper rivalry for a little while, but you're right to say that it's become a little bit more bitter because it's become a little bit more even. And that's yeah. the way we we had this on the podcast last week, where we were talking about uh, Spinetta's and Mourinho, Ferguson, with just about everybody. Yeah. But the minute that they start winning, and get, uh, beating them, then they don't become the friends anymore. I, I, I still think, I still think, to be perfectly honest, I still think Klopp and Guardiola have got great respect yeah, for each yeah. other. They're not daft. I mean, they were they did battle, didn't they, in in, in Germany uh, when one was at Bayern, one was at Dortmund, and I think it's just more of the same. I think Gorsty's right that Pep struggles a little bit when things aren't going his way, and he, he just wears his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? I know you like him for that, don't you, Joe? Because he's so competitive that when things aren't aren't going right, you just can't like. I just think he's. He, I think he's he just, yeah, he just think he can't like. He, do you think that perhaps he gave away a little bit? 
that he has no confidence in the defence that he put out by putting the rest of the team so attacking and then going for it from the start because he knew. Because, I mean, we spoke in the podcast before the game where I made a bit of a jest about the fact, you know, ask me again after 10 minutes what the score's yeah. going to be because yeah. we had no idea how Manchester City were going to approach the game. And, of course, it turned out that they just completely went for it, which backfired because they were caught in the counter-attack twice for two goals and then that was kind of the game there and then. And I think that perhaps, you know, reflect on the fact that Pep didn't have any confidence in his defence to keep out Liverpool, which ended up being correct. He was correct. OK, moving on then. Liverpool are nine points clear of City, eight of Leicester and Chelsea. Before we talk about the gap between City, I want to know from you guys what you think of Leicester and Chelsea, whether you think that they're proper title contenders. Uh, Gorsley, I mean, Brendan Rodgers done remarkable job so yeah, far with Leicester. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost as if he's not a bad manager, is it? Yeah, I, I always said that, to be fair. And I know a lot of people say that, OK, he won loads in Scotland, but it's got, you know it's not the greatest standard football. But he still had to go and win those games. And what was it? Two two travel seasons on the bounce, and he was heading for the third before he left midway through the season. Um, probably the, the best British manager there is, if we're being honest. <clears> and he, he's shown that with he showed that with Liverpool. He's shown it with Leicester. Um, I don't see them as title contenders. Dooley had them down for the top four a few weeks back, and I said they'd struggle to do that, and it might be a top six, but. The further the season goes, you you, you think they've said, they've got a credible shelf for top four at this stage, but I don't really see them challenging the pool over the next twenty six games. Tony, I think Leicester probably will challenge for the title. Challenge, yeah, because Just by virtue of being by virtue of, by virtue of not being in Europe, mm. by virtue of the fact they won't have any midweek games. Still by, a cup, might be going for silverware. <clears throat> Well, they might be, but then that's not going to hurt them, is it? Really, for being honest. It's done by February, isn't it? Um, and also, it's it's you know you look at Liverpool in 2013-14. The reason that they challenged for the title as long as they did is because they could prepare for every game, best part of a week. And I think that's what will help Leicester. Also, the small matter of fact that Leicester got some really good players, and while a lot of them weren't there when they won the league, there are still some like Vardy, Albright, still knocking around. Schmeichel, there's still some who know what it takes to to get over the line, which is there's very you know, the Man City players know that. Possibly some of the Chelsea ones who were there in 2017, wasn't it, when they won it? So it is interesting that Liverpool are technically up against three teams that have won the league in the last couple of years, and that's who they're fighting with to win the title. Because I think Chelsea, they'll be involved all the way through towards the end. I think Chelsea will fall away a little bit because they'll have so many games and the youngsters will eventually get, not so much found out, but their inexperience will tell because they've, they've not been in this situation before. Can't yeah. buy him on in January either, can they? No. Although that might be changing, might it? I, th- I thought there's only the appeal in a couple yeah. of weeks, yeah. maybe next week. Theo, when was the last time you somebody won an appeal like that? <laughs> Theo, did you go along with that? I really like watching Leicester this year. I'm like, granted, the weekend it was only Arsenal. That's just for you, yeah. guy. But the, the goals were brilliant, weren't they? Just really quick, fl- free-flowing football, great finishes. And like Doyley said, they've got some really likeable players. Rodgers has built a good team. I saw a few tweets over the weekend. You've got the United and Arsenal fans going absolutely mental, how they've had long-serving managers go and they've just fallen apart after years without winning the title. Leicester have managed to win the title, lose all but two of the best players, struggle a bit, look like they might go down again. And then built another team and been better than both. Yeah. Do you think Madison's got a little bit of um, Liverpool, Rodgers and Coutinho about him? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see the similarities. I don't think he he can be as good as as Coutinho 
is or, or perhaps was for Liverpool, but he's certainly a, a similar type of player, isn't he? And Jamie Vardy just continues to get better the older he gets, doesn't he? He's, he's, was he now 32, 33? Like Benjamin Button, isn't he? Yeah, so he's been goal scorer in the league at the moment. He is, yeah. yeah. And, and I suppose the, the biggest thing you can say about that about their win on Saturday is, and I know our dutiful presenter guy won't particularly agree with this, but it wasn't a surprise to see Leicester beat Arsenal 2-0. It was just a, a routine home win, wasn't it, for the team who were really showing that they, that they can do something this season? Arsenal are poor, though, aren't Arsenal, Arsenal yeah. are really, really bad. Really, <laughs> really, really bad. So, so poor. Yeah, crap club, crap stadium, crap fans. Crap manager. So which country yeah. has this just been blocked in? Come on. Right. Well, you tell the UAE because they don't let us yeah, on. Exactly, you say yeah. that. You've been saying Arsenal all the way through this. So. No, no, Do you can't listen to this in Qatar next week? <laughs> <laughs> this week. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll finish off. Nine points now between Liverpool and City. Um, Peter Crouch was saying on Match of the Day 2 yesterday that he thinks that it's as good as over. I certainly don't think so just yet. Would anyone disagree with me? Uh, no. I mean... Nine points is a lot of points at any stage of the season, but well, it's eight points, isn't it? Sorry, no, nine points. Between Liverpool oh, and City. City. Now and I think City will still be the main challenges for the yeah. title. Yeah, I think it'll be between Liverpool and City. As I say, Leicester will go nearly all the way. Chelsea will fall away in the last two months. Is it one where if Liverpool had, had the history of winning leagues, you would say it's over? Because yeah. they haven't done it yet, you still expect them to maybe slip up at some point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, a- I, I wouldn't say it's done by any stretch. But if Liverpool don't win the league, they look back on it and something will have gone, had to have gone massively wrong at, at some stage. It might be an obvious thing. It might just be one of them where you're looking at it thinking, how has this not resulted in a league title? Um, but it's not done. I mean, Jürgen Klopp will be the first to say that. Virgil van Dijk said the same thing yesterday in the, in the mix zone. Um, no one at Liverpool would say that. Um, but that's for, for fans to enjoy, isn't it? And it's for the players and the managers to, to keep feet on the ground. There you go. It's not over by a long shot, but... We can certainly enjoy it right now. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Friday when we'll try and fill the gap from an international break. And you might even hear from Doily all the way from Qatar at some point as well. See you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.